hey guys thanks for listening to kind of dating the comedy dating podcast where i your host natasha chandel and some cool guests break down the dating world and try to figure out why the fuck do we all have commitment issues today's topic is personal accountability are you part of your own problem let's find out friends i'm natasha chandel you're listening to kind of dating i want to give a shout out to our listener of the week it's actually an old buddy of mine from college so this was a very exciting review to read um wesley m uh thank you buddy for saying that he thought the podcast was funny and charming natasha does a warm and wonderful job of breaking down relationships listening has made me at least a better boyfriend at best a better person um Guys, that actually really meant a lot to me because I haven't talked to Wes in at least like 10 years. Um, He's back home in Canada. Uh, I didn't even know he was listening. So, uh, you know, those little surprises um, really make make my day, guys. So thank you so much for being awesome and uh, for listening and supporting. And yeah, I just just sometimes, you know, I I just get email and I just want to say I love you. Um, I'm really excited uh, to do part two. This is part two of uh, our episode with health and lifestyle journalist who has appeared in Cosmo, Yahoo, Psychology Today. She's also the author of a new book called The Love Gap, A Radical Plan to Win in Life and Love. We have Jenna Birch on the show. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Again. I know, right? We, I I mean, we just talked about in the last episode, uh, we talked about your book, The Love Gap, and it really made me start thinking about today's topic which was like personal accountability on both sides like for guys and girls like where are we part of our like literally what I said where are we part of our own problem um before I get into it uh, to stay true to this um and to stay true to uh the podcast um I have an apology to make um, to somebody out there, uh, he'll probably never listen to it, um, because he's told me to fuck off, um, rightfully so. And, uh, and I want to, yeah, do my part to say, I'm sorry to somebody that I had gone on a date with and I never talk about, um, dates in real time. Uh, especially when I go on like one offs or anything like that. I do not discuss them. People know I have a podcast. I don't hide it, but I, I give them the assurance that they will not be spoken about. Um, in, uh, in our episode on timing, uh, I got carried away and I discussed somebody and I had mentioned that uh, I did not have chemistry with that person. And uh, even though I did tell that person, uh, like, over text that uh, that's us that 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 is how I felt um he heard the podcast he was very hurt by it um and you know messaged me to to tell me that and to be honest I had no defense I apologized um and I just want to publicly apologize and I will uh attempt to never ever 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 do that again so uh, I'm very sorry sometimes I make mistakes as well guys I get carried out and uh, you know carried away in the moment with guests um but nobody deserves that. So I am very sorry. Um, thank you for making me better. <laughs> uh, I hope. Um, but yeah, so so this is um, this is a problem a lot of people have, right? Like we go through a gamut of dating problems from 
he or she isn't ready. Someone cheated. Um, they just can't find somebody. They're not getting responses because of, their, you know, they're not, uh, their social profiles, like they're not getting anything. They go out, but they're not meeting anybody with a connection. We're always just sort of um, blaming the other people, you know, that it's the other person isn't swiping at us. The other person isn't showing us. The other person isn't ready. The other person cheated. The other person did whatever. But the only constant in our relationships is us. So where does this start? <laughs> what do you think about taking responsibility? I like to figure out where, like, we have more agency in our lives. So I, I know women are constantly looking to find their ownership of their problems. And, and I always, I, I definitely, when I talk to women, struggle with this a little bit because I, I never want women to change fundamentally who they are. Um, I, I don't want them to think that, you know, they have to be less demanding if someone cheated on them mm -hmm. or like, you know, they have to be uh, less ambitious if their ex could not handle their career. Um, anything that's fundamental to who you are, like, I don't want women to go out changing that. I think that that will lead to devastating effects and you'll have less happiness. But there is a version of not changing yourself and then there's a version of bettering yourself. Mm -hmm. So like finding that line is the big like the big conundrum. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, where, where, where can I improve my dating skills um, and, and really be better? And so, I, I mean, I definitely talked a bunch about this, but women in particular, like the smart women uh, group that I talk to all the time that are succeeding at everything else except dating, um, one of their major problems, I think we talked about this before, was like they have, we have this like fix-it complex, um, is that we like mm. seeing things improve under our guidance so oftentimes we are drawn to men who have problems that we see ourselves being able to fix or help um and that can create a little bit of an unhealthy dynamic um have you ever found yourself being like the mom in the relationship but girl i'm like everybody's teacher <laughs> i hate it not their mom but i'm like I literally got told like by crazy ex like abusive relationship ones and he was like like I love you you're my teacher I was like motherfucker get I mean yeah. I know guys love to dream about fucking their teachers but that was a little too much <laughs> teacher was a big one what did I get I, I got a very similar version of that from my ex that was like it was like every time we talk you'd learn something new he's like I learn new things all the yeah. time it's, it's like you're living in color and I'm living in black and white and I'm like trying to wrap my head around this reality. And I'm like, is this really like a thing? And like, am I drawn to this person because like I see myself being able to improve them mm -hmm. or am I drawn to this? Like, are they such a problem that like my, like I'm intellectually engaging them as a problem instead of like challenging myself to build an emotionally intimate relationship mm -hmm. those are things that I have got like we've got to find like where the line is I see a lot of women struggle with that um and, and then they think that they're abandoning him if they're going to like break up with him because he's not emotionally available and, and they're in the middle of being the teacher then like yeah that they was can't yeah, I, I definitely went through that for sure they pursue you to the ends of the earth then if you are their wise sage mm -hmm. <laughs> that's telling them how to live life and in a way, I think that that is a little bit of an ego hit for a lot of us women. Like, I know for me, too, that, like, you know, 
I mean, I wrote the book and, you know, it was great. I had this great dynamic interview process and was able to talk to so many people, um, men and women, and they would pick my brain about dating and they'd be like, it's so great. Like I, I've learned all these new things about myself. And then you kind of walk away and you're like, yeah. And, and then you see yourself doing that on dates. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you probably see the same thing. And, and yeah. all my friends are the same way. Emotionally mature friends are like, you know, I went, I feel like I just went and I was a therapist for like three hours. I'm like, you were. <laughs> yeah. But that's, that's also not we have yeah, to, we have to break apart what that is. Yeah, yeah we had talked about this uh, like off off mic too, right? That like nature of your work and and my work with the podcast and you with the book. People ask us a lot of these questions and and we're constantly discussing this and it ends up becoming a topic on dates because like I don't know about you, I'm sure you don't hide the fact that you have a book and that this is what it's about or that you are working on it and They'll, they'll inevitably ask you what you know and what you learned and then it comes up and same with me in the podcast and and it becomes this like and then they're expecting you to always be the the kind of encyclopedia and the per, the have like come with the emotional maturity when sometimes you just want to be a fucking person yeah totally and, and I see that with my friends too or they'll, they'll recap a date to me that sounds like a therapy session mm-hmm. and I'm always like I'm always like, and I think it's a, it's the passive information that we get as women. Like we are constantly seeking out why relationships are failing and what's going on. And we read the self-help books and, you know, we're, we're constantly looking for new experts that are discussing relationships mm-hmm. in new ways. Um, women are really wired for that. So we're, we're like kind of learning to adapt and apply the knowledge, like in a really dynamic mm-hmm. way where we're like coaching men through their relationship problems. And there's like an element of that, that like we can definitely do, we can work with people on an individual level, but it can't be all fixing him. It's got to be like mutual meeting of needs. We, we just get wrapped so, we so far up in the problem and how we can improve them and that we're not like living in the reality of the situation, which is not, we're not soaking up what's happening. This person meeting my needs. Um, am I being challenged to be vulnerable? Am I breaking down my walls? Am mm-hmm. I able to make, you know, choices that I believe in because I believe that this relationship could be really great? Or am I just looking to like fix him? And then what happens when he's fixed or like there's a resolution there? Mm-hmm. Are you even going to let the guy that you, you found at the end of it, you know, this journey? A lot of women, I, I don't think that we do, but, but we've learned that like our job is to like fix relationships yeah. in men. And so we're so focused on the task that we're not focused on the relationship. I, I really want women, one of my big things was to get women to plug into what's happening and really have that like need assessment when you're like getting to know someone um, of, do I see this person in my life? Like, am I trying to fix them and fit them into my future? And that's so unrealistic, um, but they're getting something from it. That's like really beneficial. So I'm sticking around because they keep pursuing me to like, I'm like their anchor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um I, I really want women to plug in and be like, what is happening? Do I like this person? Do I see them in my future? And like, not just try so hard to fix things, um, even though they can. It's like human troubleshooting. You can't be the human troubleshooter all the time. You're there to show up and build a vulnerable relationship. Yeah, and you know, I think that that um, that that works really for both both genders. I think there there are a lot of guys. I actually get a lot of messages from guys and emails from guys from you know. I just got a lengthy one the other day about some somebody who you know was dating a girl and uh, she wasn't ready and she was dropping all these hints and they were going at like you know, and and I tried to 
every time I get a message, literally, usually my response is always like the entire conversation is about the other person. And it's like, well, he or she is doing this and they're feeling this and they're going through this. And and I don't know, am I supposed to navigate? And I'm like, how do you feel? (laughs) Are you getting what you want? Because we're making this all about this other person. And I don't know this other person. The only person I know is you. And like, quote unquote, know you. And, um, and, you know, we don't, we don't stop and like, look at ourselves. We're always kind of like doing this outwardly thing. And every philosopher in time or Zen artist or anybody will tell you like, the answer is always within. And it's, and you know, it's like, when you fix what's within, you fix what is without. And, and it's like, you know, we're, we're always in like a blame culture that it's always some external force that is fucking our life up, but really it takes two to tango. And, and there, there are parts that, you know, when I've come out of relationships, even though somebody else did fuck up, um, if somebody even cheated, I, I still looked at it like when I, when I had a crazy guy, um, you know, and it was in a very abusive relationship, I stepped out of that and I was like, look, I can't control what he did. He was a dick. But what part of me allowed that? Mm -hmm. You know, why did I accept those things? Why was I so nice when I should have been drawing a boundary? And that was where, you know, the journey came and, and it was hard. And like, I think that's one of the biggest issues is like, we don't like to take ownership because it's hard to look within and we're scared of what it'll bring up. Right. I mean, I was so, I, that was a big lesson that I had to take out of my last relationship too. It was a big thing. You know, I definitely dated, you know, the classic narcissist, mm-hmm. like love bomber uh, that like he would flip a switch and I had to like my job then very early, like the problem started to happen. Like he started to like be inconsistent in just who he was and how he interacted with the relationship. It was like hot or cold on or off. Mm-hmm everything or nothing and I made it my goal to like figure out what was going on I wanted to know what was going on so badly that I missed my own unhappiness Mm. like so clearly and I it it took one day where I just woke up and I realized how lonely I was I'm like why do I feel so lonely like where is this coming from it's like Mm -hmm. it's the end like it doesn't matter why I do it's just that I feel completely alone Mm. uh, in this relationship so that the actual reason didn't matter. I mean, I had to assess that later on, like from my own perspective of like, why did I let myself get into this cycle mm-hmm. um, with, with this guy? And I think that there's a psychological reason behind it. I think that 100%. intermittent reinforcement, we've talked about it um, before. So like we have positive, re- positive and negative reinforcement in, in psychology would be like, you know, if he does something, you know, great for you or, you know, you, you say like, thank you, or like that means a lot to me, or, you know, you show up reciprocally um, or negative, you know, you just don't give them like attention when, when it's like, you know, they're being unreasonable or, you know, you call them on their shit, like that's negative reinforcement. Um, I, I'm not going to give you what you want when you're like acting out. Um, the intermittent reinforcement um, is the idea that like someone is validating you part of the time, but there's no real consistency in how they're doing it. Um, and that is a toxic thing. It's addiction. It's actually like mm-hmm. a psychological addiction mm-hmm. when someone is giving you validation sometimes, but not all the time. Like you, you then start 
pressing the buttons to see when they're going to do it. Like you're so trying to figure out the pattern that you get hooked on the process of, of figuring them out instead of actually, you know, that you should be backing away because that's yeah. going to, that's going to really mess you up psychologically. But it, it, that's also, that's what like codependency is though, right? Like that's like uh, another big part of like why, you know, that personal accountability like am I codependent even which is I'm I would rather spend my time fixing somebody else's problem than fixing my own problem which is me exactly uh, it is and, and you, when you get caught up in that cycle like it's, it's about recognizing it and then like you have to step out of it to fix mm-hmm. yourself and why you got wrapped up in that um, but you have to recognize it first and being being able to end something that's bad um, I, I tell people this all the time and people think that they need they need reasons to break up with someone. They need explicit reasons that they need to bring to that person. Like you cheated or like the chemistry died here or like, you know, I feel like you're not doing this or like they Mm -hmm. feel something wrong for so long that I'm like the reason that you're breaking up with a person is because like it feels off and you can't, you can't get it back on track. Mm -hmm. Like something is wrong. You're becoming worse with the person. You're becoming a worse version of yourself, more obsessive, less able to focus on work, you're dropping friends, your hobbies are going out the window, like all the remnants will be there in your life. Um, but you've got to have the willingness to like accept the fact that the only reason that you need to give is that it's the wrong relationship. Mm-hmm. You're becoming worse. The reason to figure out exactly why or like what went wrong to give that person a detailed reason. Sometimes it's not, it's a compilation of a bunch of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have to have the willingness just accept like this this is not getting better I'm becoming worse like we need to go our separate ways um and when some I think women especially are we we're designed to think that we need to like you know we need to figure out the emotional roots of things Mm -hmm. and and be able to like bring that to a guy um especially if you do have that fix it mentality um that you need to figure out the problem before you can end it Um, But the problem is that there's a problem and you're unhappy. I'm going to play devil's advocate here for a second for both sides. Um, You know, we we guys and girls both meet people we date who are like not ready for the millions of reasons we have talked about. Okay, they're just not ready. They're not there. Whatever it is. It's a recurring pattern. We're constantly meeting those people. They're not ready. They're not ready. They're not ready. They're not ready. According to <laughs> um, Dr. Phil, who always says that, that every, every um, action is a payoff, and uh, Deepak Chopra, who says that every relationship is a mirror of your internal state, when do we have to ask ourselves, like, if I'm seeking out all these people who aren't ready, am I doing it because it's buying me time because I'm secretly not ready? It could be. I mean, you definitely have to be able to... I think that you have to be able to assess when there's a pattern, there's a problem. Um, if you're meeting somebody and you're taking a risk and it, and it feels different um, and potentially better and you want to invest in that connection, then that's like one thing. But the trouble that I see is that like I, I, one of my favorite relationship experts, he's a long time ago. He worked with him early in my career. His name is Charles Orlando. He's like, most people don't have, five bad relationships they have the same bad relationships five times Mm. um and when you're falling into a pattern where you're repeating every cycle over and over again that's something you have to address within yourself first you have to figure out what that problem is like why do i keep this person like what is what 
kit is this giving me? Like, what need is this fulfilling? Like, am I codependent? Would I rather be uh, with someone and unhappy than alone and dealing with myself? Like, for me, per- like, I'm I'm going to call myself out on, like, what, what I'm currently trying to, to, you know, take responsibility for, which is the, like, if I'm constantly dating people who aren't ready, and, and, and I'm only saying this because maybe people out there are feeling sort of the same thing, is that if I'm dating people who aren't ready, and then there have been a couple people who are older and really ready, and I didn't vibe with them, and... But they gave me all the other things. I just didn't feel the connection was, like, as strong as, like, I wanted it to. I just didn't feel, like, in love, you know? And I couldn't get myself there. That said, I was like, is it that I'm not feeling in love? Or is it that I'm, like, not totally opening up and it's easier to open up and and feel more connected to people that you know aren't ready? Because really, secretly, maybe, like... I'm just like, I want the time to be perfect pace, perfectly paced for me too. Like the guy who's like six, seven years older than me, I can't be with right now because he wants to like get married and have kids within a year. And the guy who's like six, seven years younger than me is like way too far behind. And so I'm like in this like weird phase for myself of like, I literally had to ask myself the question the other day in silence. And I had to be like, okay. And I'm honestly getting anxiety even asking it out loud to myself because it gives me anxiety when I ask it alone, which is, do I really want to get married in this certain frame of time? Do I really want kids? You know, am I really ready for like the one? Because that's what that could lead to. Mm -hmm. And, and like some of those questions give me pangs in my stomach. You know, like they give me like a, you know, but, but I also know me to know that when I see that there is a chance, I do try, like I'll, I'll push through those feelings, but like how I'm pacing it, it might be like the difference, you know, where I'm not like going heart first in, I'm going like thinking first in because it it gives me some time. You know, and like these are like real, like just calling it out for all of us, like even us smart girls or whatever, like, you know, are we purposely doing it to ourselves? Yeah. I mean, I think it's a fine line. It's a really fine line. Yeah. Nobody can answer that except you. Mm -hmm. I I can't. And that's, you know, one of my basic dating philosophies is like, I'm not going to tell you what to do. Um, we have to confront ourselves. Yeah. And I think that even one of the guys, I think kind of sums up this concept pretty well in my book is he kind of said, I'm looking for the right connection. But I'm also looking for someone who's at the exact same place as I am. Yes. And, I and that like that's window, me. I, it's so, because that's the pace that everyone it's wants like to go. They want to go at their pace. So if, if somebody's moving you too fast, then you're like, well, I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready to like, you know, couple off with this person. They, they, they're demanding a lot of me emotionally. I don't, I don't know if I'm ready for that. Mm-hmm. And if they're going too slow, you're t- sitting there tapping your foot being like, okay, well, speed up because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I have time to waste. I don't have time. Um, so it is that really, are we asking for something that is so incredibly difficult? Are we, are we basically putting up walls that no one can overcome? Mm-hmm. And yeah, like, cause I, I've been trying to start comparing 
you know, and I, I know it's harder for people out there who've like never felt love before um, to know what, you know, to compare between other relationships and like when you've really been in love. I've like really been in love twice. And and the, the most recent one where I was like, uh, you know, grown up and uh, and I remember that I also had my walls up with him. But he was so fucking in that, like, he wore me down. He just, like, literally wore me down. He was like, nope, I'm going to show up for you over and over and over again. And it it made me kind of get out of my, my own shell. But I realized, like, now looking back, like, that's such a high, di- like, expectation to have of somebody. Like, some, like, a stranger who doesn't know you to put on them that they need to crack you open. Like what my ex had to do to crack me open was like a lot. (laughs) He showed up at the scene of a fucking car accident for me. You know what I mean? And that was when I was like, Oh shit, you really like me. And then I was okay. But like that can't happen every time. (laughs) I don't ever want to to. So like what, you know, what are our expectations of it? And I think it's hard to face those because it, it is hard to like what we were saying in, in the last episode is like once we challenge ourselves, we have to face ourselves, And that's hard. Because you're like, what am I a shitty person because of this discovery? And I think like we have to just put out there that we're not. Nobody's a bad person because they discover that like there's an area of their life that they can improve. You know, you're only a you're you're only an unaware person if you, you know, choose to look past it, choose to be ignorant of it, and choose to continue to hurt people as a result of knowing that. But if you know it and you're working on it, you're just a human in progress. Right. And I think that, you know, I mean, I really wanted to get like to the concept of intimidating. And we talk about this in the book in terms of, you know, women that are intimidating. We hear that a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't think we look at it from like the male perspective a little bit, but it can be either, either sex. It can be us approaching the relationship and we're intimidated deep down. There's like something there. This person yeah. is so intense. Uh, and the big definition of that is like, they have the willingness and the ability and the courage to point out things about yourself you know you need to change Mm -hmm. um and and that makes you that makes you like really kind of step back because it's a little bit terrifying uh you're like wow i thought i had everything figured Mm -hmm. out and then this person shows up and they're absolutely right i i think i do these terrible things or or like i'm trying to self-sabotage or whatever it is um having someone with the ability to call you out is just it's just really terrifying. Yeah. Uh, and you then have to step back. You you have to step back and say like, okay, I need to assess this from my own perspective. It, is this true? You run it under the funnel. It is true. And then you have to work on it. And, and then it's also, I think the tendency when you do that is to like be like, okay, well, I need to go by myself and work on this. Um, but you can't, like, you can't always, um, you can't always retreat or step away from mm-hmm. the person that's telling you these things. You have to like keep showing up and be like, okay, I, I'm going to work on that. And like, I'm also going to work on this relationship. I think we have a little bit of a better ability to do that as women, but, but it's not like we're perfect at it. 
sometimes we want to run and hide because we don't want to deal with it. I, I can be that person for sure sometimes. Like, I, I definitely yeah. can. And, like, we're, we're going to take a quick break, but we're going to talk about um, some attachment styles when we're back because what you mentioned is actually uh, mm -hmm. a good example of one of them, which is, like, the dismissive avoidant uh, attachment mm -hmm. style, like the insecure attachment style, where – you know, when somebody points out a flaw or something where a an area where you can improve, let's say that we consider it sort of like a rejection. We take it like, mm -hmm. oh, they, they there's some part of me that this other person might not like. And and so what you're saying, like, then we retreat. And so this kind of personality type kind of runs away from the source of their of the rejection, you know, which is like mm -hmm. this person might not potentially love me now that they see this one tiny thing about me that isn't perfect. I'm just going to go run mm -hmm. and fix it on my own. I just like can't face and fix this in front of this person, um, which is, you know, when you find a lot of like the guys who run away or the girls who run away, mm -hmm. I've run away. So I'm not going to yeah. say it's all guys, um, you know, like that's really what happens is like facing yourself in front of somebody else. Mm -hmm. And that's tough. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But we're going to take a quick break. Uh, and we're going to come back. And like I said, we're going to talk about um, some actionable steps on how to take ownership of uh, our dating lives and also some of these attachment styles. But first, this message. Hey, guys, you're listening to Kind of Dating. I'm Natasha Chandel. I have with us author of The Love Gap. Uh, Jenna Birch is here with us. We're talking about taking ownership in our own dating lives like what what roles are we playing and uh and a big one you had mentioned jenna to me was you notice and it's like a known thing in psychology most people have very bad or insecure attachment styles yeah i mean the, the weird thing is that daters tend to have insecure attachment styles like you've got your serial daters and your serial monogamous we all kind of know which camp we are the people that you know we spend a lot of time dating um, or, or we have a lot of shorter things going on. Like uh, that's a lot of today. Uh, we see a lot of short relationships, mm -hmm. um, people that are afraid of commitment. Um, that's, a, that's a lot of the population of, of the dating pool. People that are secure attachers tend to find each other uh, and they tend to couple off. Mm. Uh, they prefer things that are stable and steady and, and they kind of emotionally seek that out. Mm -hmm. And that's about 50% of people. 50% is secure, but that means the other 50% are insecure. Um, and the idea behind attachment styles, I totally, you can look this up. Um, you can look this up online and find an attachment style quiz and find yours. It's very easy to do. There are tons of different outlets that you can find it um, to figure out what yours is. I think it's really important to know like the cycles that might be perpetuated. Um, Attached is another great book. Um, I would definitely recommend that as well. If you are a dater that struggles with commitment and like staying in relationships, I think that that's, it's really great to know your attachment style. Yeah. Um, and we talked about that, you know, a few minutes ago, it's just like avoidance. It tends to be a big one. Mm -hmm. um, that's about, that's about 15% of people that they tend to run um, when relationships are imperfect in distance. Yeah. It's like fearful, fearful avoidance. Yeah. So, yeah. so there's fearful, fearful is a subset of anxious too. So anxious would be, you know, you think that if there's a problem, the person's going to leave. So you try to like close the gap and you mm. almost like smother them. Avoidant is like you push away. Mm. Um, and avoidance, avoidant and anxious people tend to get in cycles where, you know, there's a chase going on. The anxious person is closing the gap. The avoidant person is running away. Um, and they tend to draw each other almost like, you know, 
like a dog chasing its tail almost. Mm-hmm. Um, they repeat, repeat these cycles. And then there's a fearful avoidant, which is another one, the subset of anxious, which basically means that, you know, you, you will be in avoidance, but you will feel the anxiety as well. Um, mm. so, so that's another subset. Uh, and I think it's good to know that, like, when you are out there dating, there are a lot of people that aren't fully ready because they also have an attachment style issue. Um, and they might be avoidant and they're working through their own issues. So that's why I'm like, it's big in relationships, too. You can take this with your significant other. I think it's great to do and, yeah. and talk about the problems. And then do you think that people could be could people be in like multiple like categories? Cause I looked at it and I was like, uh, I feel like I'm in like a good two. You might attachment styles change over time too. Mm. And they change with different people. So if you're in the dating pool and you are an anxious attacher or an avoidant attacher, if you find a secure attacher, like that's, that's a great option for you. You will become more secure being with a secure yeah. attacher uh, that tends to change. So that person will stabilize you a bit. Hmm. So it's really good to invest in those things. But if you're not, if you don't happen to find a secure attacher and, and you still find somebody that has the self-awareness that, that they know when they're anxious, they know when they're distancing, they can like notice these cycles and, and they can either say, hey, I'm struggling with this, or they can force themselves to overcome their instincts to run or to smother, Mm -hmm. uh, I think that that's really important because they're stressing the bond if they're not doing that. You can't run away from your problems all the time, and you also can't demand that the person fix your own anxieties all the time. You're going to have conflict. Things are going to happen. It's not going to be perfect, and you're going to have to deal with that. I think a lot of like, uh, and you, you know, you tell me about this, like some, some of the independent type of personalities or, you know, the entrepreneurial types and whatever, like, there, there was the category of dismissive avoidant like really kind of like stood out to me because I felt like obviously that was a lot of where I was which which is you know and the quotes that it was saying to describe it is it's important for me to feel independent and self-sufficient I prefer not to depend on others and have others depend on me um, the attachment style desires a high level of independence and offer and, and often appears as an attempt to avoid attachment altogether um, that these are people who view themselves as self-sufficient and invulnerable to feelings associated with, you know, close attachments. I feel like that's like half of the dating pool. There are, and yeah, and they are high confidence people. Avoidant attachers are very high confidence people. They have the ability, they're like, I can do this on my own. Like, I'll be fine. Like, no matter what it is, they have that, whether they are, whether they truly believe that. Um, no, we don't. We don't totally believe that. That's me. That's yeah. 100% <laughs> me. Really and that. no. Right. Yeah. But you will perpetuate that like narrative of I'm, I'm fine. Like it doesn't matter what mm-hmm. happens to me. I'm going to bounce back. And you do bounce back. But like we're not impenetrable walls. Like we, we have feelings when things break apart. Like it gets very, up, you get upset. But like not distance, like the dismissive avoidant tends to fall in that camp where they're just highly self-sufficient. And they perpetuate the idea that they'll be fine no matter what. Yeah. And like you create like a very distant, like you don't get close to anybody. So it's easy. You know that you're never going to get hurt because you won't get close to anybody. <laughs> right. Right. And you can see why two dismissives wouldn't work out. Yeah. Because they're both going to, they're both going to walk away. Oh, and, yeah. And the pride will, the pride will not go away. No one's mm-hmm. going to fix those problems. Like that is, that's not going to happen. But an anxious of, attacher will will close the gap and try to fix it Mm. but by anxious and avoidant people tend to draw each other in um 
and you tend to repeat that cycle. Um, there's always, I think I'm definitely like a distance, like I'm a dismissive. I, I, I like definitely have those qualities. Yeah. Um, it can cycle through some of the anxiety too, but I definitely have the dismissive stuff going on because I, um, I am always the one that like the, someone else is pursuing me. Like I'm never yeah. going to be the one that contacts more. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. I try, I try to do that as like a function of pushing myself to do that. That's not my natural inclination. Yeah. Uh, my natural inclination is let them come to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. That's, and that's my, like, I have vulnerability issues in that way that I've had to confront over the past couple of years. You know, that's, that's a big push for me in terms of self-actualizing and really getting to that place where I can be the best partner. Um, but that's my natural state. And that's a lot of women. Yeah, that's definitely state, me, um, for sure. Career. Yeah, yeah. And, and do you notice yourself doing that, like, in the moment? When yeah, does, I've, when does it hit you? I've changed a lot more. Um in terms of like, you know, I talk about it like commitment phobia me definitely. Like I, I never even remotely made a move towards anybody. Now I do in time. You know, I'm the, I'm still somebody who like I, I'll always make effort. I don't play games at all anymore. I'm just very like this is how it is. But um, like really feeling like things has, has still been hard for me. It was something that I've like been very, very actively working on. Like, okay, think less, like feel a little more so you, you can get attached to somebody and, and it can hurt you. Like that potential of getting hurt, like has to exist a little bit for me. Um, Cause I think I'm a little of the dismissive avoidant and fearful, you know, it's like, a, cause like literally one of the things I always say is what if they turn out to be crazy? <laughs> and everybody's like, that's not normal way to think. I'm like, yeah, but think about it. What if? <laughs> yeah. Dismissive is, dismissive is the shell and the, and the fearful. Like I have the shades of fearful. I get that one every time. Yeah. Um, and I think for me, it's it's like I, I have hypersensitivity. I'm one of those people that, you know, I, I'm very empathetic. I, I do like I am able to absorb emotions. The, the shield of distance is, mm. is what like keeps me steady. Um, to the outside world, but inside I feel a ton, and I also have you know pain conditions, so I have fibromyalgia, um, and that kind of leads to yeah. hypersensitivity about the world. So, mm. so the dismissive is my shell, um, but deep down I feel things really strongly. But um, and, and that has to exist for me too. Yeah. But, but I keep like everything outside, like an impenetrable. Like I have to actively tell myself, okay, you have to put the wall down. Yeah. You have to like be okay and just trust someone mm-hmm. on a human level that, 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 you know, they're going to have your best interest at heart. Like that's a big one that mm-hmm. we have to like get that piece of trust and you have to give it to someone um, and host just hope for the best. Sometimes you don't have, you can't get guarantees that you're not going to get hurt. That yeah. doesn't work in a relationship uh, that if that fear and threat doesn't exist and you you don't care enough. Um, so those things existing together are really tough and we've learned to cope with things with these attachment styles these issues that you know are modeled in our childhood or you know they're a function of the things that we've you know dealt with over a course of time where you've had like an abusive ex or something like that where you know your attachment style can change mm-hmm. so it's good to be aware of those things and so I would encourage like anyone to that's just another like level of self-awareness you can have when you're trying to build yeah. relationships and be vulnerable. I think some of the, you know, there are, there are other, and I think the core of it definitely comes down to these attachment styles, but on the surface, a lot of the symptoms that get, get expressed in, um, in relationships that people can 
you know, uh, if you're out there and you feel like you're in a pattern of something or you're just like not finding um, the right kind of people or when you're in a relationship, it didn't work out and you're taking a step back. I think some of the things that, you know, we could look at about ourselves that we might not want to address, but I think we should address are things like, you know, where is our emotional maturity and, and do we have our own emotions under control? Like, are we angry? Are we jealous people? Are, you know, do we have just like a lot of sadness? What is our perspective on life? And are we bringing that into relationships that's detrimental? Like I have, you know, I have learned and I've had to really address this is like I have an, an uh, like an anger issue and I don't like I don't um, get like angry and that's the problem I don't get angry and then if and when I do I say something to make the other person cry and I hate myself for it after I'm like fuck this is why I didn't get angry in the first place but like I've had to learn like holy shit like I gotta learn to control how I'm processing that so maybe I need to start getting angry more in smaller increments than like a like a blowout where I just put you in your place you know you can't hit someone you you can't possess the knowledge of like where your partner's buttons are and then abuse them even if you're not like (laughs) that that's one of those things where you're that's the thing you need to safeguard is like that person is giving you the power to like cut them down mm-hmm. and you have to hold that and, and not use it. Yeah. Um, it, Cause your, your job is to protect that in a way. Like you're, you're definitely like, you have to be aware of their vulnerabilities, but I, I can be the same way. Um, it's like, I, I definitely, you know, am able to figure people out and have that kind of knowledge uh, of what they value, what they care for. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I, I can take them down in like one and yes. <laughs> like a few really cutting sentences. Uh, that you you definitely have to address it and we don't even know we're angry and I talked to a therapist about this like last week even she said you know she's constantly having to catch women especially off guard when there's a problem in the the marriage it's not usually the problem she said you would be shocked by how many times it's repressed anger mm. um, and she kind of has to catch the woman off guard like she'll be talking about something else we're talking about the problem maybe it's an intimacies off like they you know he's spending time away or like you know whatever it is that she sees, it's like, I got to get to the root. So she'll just catch them off guard and be like, well, why are you angry? And, and that is like the trigger that like yeah. lets it all out. Uh, it, it can't exist inside you. you you've got to find a way to express it in an effective way. And that's a good one. I was just, I was just about to say another one of the biggest issues I think we have that we can all, every single human out there can look within themselves and be like, what is my trigger? Like, what are my anxieties? And, you know, like for me, when I, I snap when I think somebody has taken advantage of me, like, cause I'm, I feel like I, I give so much and then I give, I give, I give. And then when I feel like that's been thrown back in my face, I lose it. That's like my PTSD from abusive relationships, you know, like, and, and I had to, I really had to like learn to to manage that and even I'm I'm going back to work on it again because I'm like okay it still needs more addressing you know and but I think everybody has like some trigger that's why like if you happen to say one word it gets the other person like completely riled up you know um 
And these are things that we have to take ownership of. Like you said, nobody can fix us but us. Like nobody knows what's in our mind except us. Um, so Jenna, what can, before, before we wrap out today, what are some things that people can do, um, to like actively like actionable steps to take ownership of their life? You know, that is, it's such a, it's such a tricky thing, but I think you have to put yourself in the active role, um, and really like define the things that you want to find the things that you need and really like plug into what's happening Mm -hmm. and, and what kind of relationships Uh, are making you better and making you happy and that you guys can mutually contribute to like having that productive life. I think also, you know, taking time, don't ever like lose yourself in a relationship or Mm -hmm. the problem. Like you always have to check out and check back in with yourself. Like whatever it is that is your thing that you do that helps you process for me. It's like the simple act of like going on a walk Mm -hmm. is like big for me. Like I do that, try to do that every day that I can and get outside, like just let my subconscious like wander where it needs to go because usually like I, I address myself then. Mm. Um, and, and that's a, that's a big thing. It's just like letting, whether it's meditating, whether it's journaling, whether it's walking and having that like active subconscious tuning out and tuning back in, like, you know, really try to confront yourself and like anything that's like not sitting well, like what's like not happy, like, w- you know, what can I, what can I do to make myself better today? Like, where am I going to take an active step forward? Um, and really work on defining that. Like, I think that that's, that people don't get what they want because they don't define what they want Yeah. Um, in life. So don't ever like lose yourself in a relationship or the problem to the point where you're not checking back in with yourself and saying like, what do I want? Like, how can I make this person better? How can I make myself better? Um, am I addressing the problem? Am I part of the problem? Um, check out and then check back in. Right. Uh, I think that that's having that ability is just really, it, it's super important mm-hmm. to, to have both well-defined um, relationship skills and just self-management skills. Yeah. I also think, in a, in, in, and that's all that's, that, that's brilliant. Um, I think also, you know, just to keep it simple also is like, we got to stop playing victims and we got to, we got to stop blaming everything else. Like we blame hookup culture. We blame options. We blame that, you know, people aren't mature. We blame, um, well, I'm not meeting somebody because I, uh, I look like this. I, my, my thing is this, my, that is this. And you know, my job is this and whatever it is. And we have to one, you know, look inside, figure out what we want and make those changes like if you're not meeting somebody at on apps fuck the apps go outside you know take a class try a different activity um if you don't feel good in your skin um go to a doctor come up with a plan of how to take actionable steps to feel better you know whether it's um medication or or doing something that you need to do to build a more active lifestyle or you know just like we just, I, I just also feel like it's fixing some of our attitude a little bit around it. And it's doing the best to draw the people. And one mm-hmm. of my favorite interviewees, I'm not going to get into like the specifics, but he had tried absolutely everything to meet the right person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was in his mid thirties and like he had done everything he could possibly do. He was a real deal. Like he, he knew what he wanted. He didn't play by other people's rules and he just saw this advice that really resonated with him, which was like, do the things 
that you would do every day. Mm -hmm. Uh, Keep doing those things and being plugged into your surroundings and then do the things that you would want your best self to do. And he met his future wife in a leadership class out in the Pacific where they were stranded on an island. Like having deep talks, they had no phone, they had no, you know, they had nothing except, you know, they were plugging in on a human level and they were learning how to, you know, navigate the wilderness and like do like (laughs) these really epic things. But that's what he would want his best self to do. And like they still do those things together, you know, as husband and wife. That's where they met. And I think that that's kind of brilliant because it took away the, you know, desperately seeking something and he was just working on being the best version of himself. And and that's where he met his person. That's awesome. I love that story. Um, Jenna, we could go on forever and ever, ever. You're going to have to come back. Um, I want everybody to get your book. Uh, Where can they find it once again? The Love Gap. Yeah, you can find The Love Gap on Amazon. You can find it on Audible. You can find it in bookstores nationally and online. Awesome. Um, And once again, how can everybody find you on social media? Uh, At Jenna Birch on all forms of social media. Always, you know, hit me on Instagram or Twitter are always the best. Nice. Um, guys, we already did six questions with Jenna. You can check it out in our last episode. They're really, really, really thoughtful answers. So go, go back and listen to them. Um, Jenna, once again, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, friends, <laughs> um, friends, uh, follow us. We are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at kind of dating. Uh, if you didn't know kind of dating is presented by meltdown comics, come visit us seven, five, two, two sunset Boulevard here in LA. Thank you so much for downloading this episode. If you could take a few seconds and review, review us on iTunes, I will learn to speak then. Um, and if you could send us your dating stories and thoughts to kind of dating at gmail.com. Finally, I know it seems tough out there, but just try till next time. Kinda Dating is brought to you by Meltdown Networks. It's been created and hosted by Natasha Chandel, producer and audio engineer Mackenzie Mazel, associate producer Aisha Holden, social media coordinator Sydney Standard, theme music Joe Lorenzetti, logo character illustration by Jenna Yenick, and logo and motion graphic designer Kay Daniel Ellis.